Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our very first night of Reach Conference 2021 with evangelist David Diga Hernandez. Enjoy this message. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Come on, just lift your hands and honor the name of Jesus tonight. Lord, we love you. We honor you and we bless your name, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of gathering in your presence tonight. Can you please turn to someone and tell them something good is going to happen to you? Say it in faith, believing. Come on. Something good is going to happen to you. Something good is going to happen. Now, now turn to somebody else who looks like they really need to hear it and tell them something good is going to happen to you. Can I just say, um, it's an honor to be with you all, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real honor to be here ministering at this conference, the first ever REACH conference. And I want you to know I don't take that opportunity lightly. I don't take any opportunity lightly. Every time... I get to minister the word. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And I want you to know that I, I, I not only do I honor what God is doing here in this fellowship, in this network, but I'm thankful that I get to be a part of it too. And I want you to know that this is only the beginning. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine. If you can think of it, God can do it. If you can imagine it, God can go above and beyond that expectation. And I believe that sitting in this room tonight are the seeds of one of the greatest moves of the Holy Spirit that's going to sweep across this nation. Can we honor the Lord and just thank him that we get to be a part of it? And I wanna also honor my pastor. I think think that's you sitting there. There you are. I wanna honor my pastor, Pastor Omar Lopez. Those of you watching online, this is my pastor, Pastor Omar. And I wanna thank you. Can we just honor this man? I know that makes you really, really uncomfortable. (laughs) And you're probably thinking, okay, move on, move on. But but we want to give honor there. And I believe I see, I see my wife Jess is here. There you are. And then is that Johnny and Cynthia? It is my friends, Johnny Hall and Cynthia. And my grandparents are here, Danny and Linda Mancha. Are are my mom and dad here? Where are they? They're in the back. Can we get a couple seats for them up here, please? You know, I, I know, I know that no one will mind me saying so, but Wonderful video, by the way, that we produced. 
beautiful, beautiful quality. But for those of you who don't know, the story even goes back a little further. So my dad was a pastor. There he is. There they are. They're coming. Mom and dad, come here. <laughs> Can we hear it for my parents, Dave and Esther Hernandez, please? Now, I'm going to get to the message right now, but, but, but honoring people is so key. You want the anointing to flow, you have to honor. Honor is very key. For those of you who don't know, my dad pastored a church in Hawthorne, California, and I believe it was, Pastor Mar, what year was it? It was early 2000, right? 1999. I remember one of the most inspirational things I ever saw, and it actually inspired many of the ways I do ministry today, was the friendship that they had and have, my dad and Pastor Omar Lopez. I remember being a little kid trying to sneak in while you guys were having dinner and listen to what they were planning because I had no idea what they, were, what they were planning. Little did I know, they were gonna take two small churches, one originally from Paramount, then the Bowflower, and one from Hawthorne, California. They were gonna take two small churches they merged them together and made one small church. <laughs> but those were the seeds of revival. That's an example of what unity does. Those were the seeds of revival. And I remember the, we talked about Fresh Fire, Pastor Eddie, that service. We, you were just at the house the other day. You, 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 you barged in, remember? You, you just showed up out of nowhere, like I always do to you. And he came in and we started watching old videos of the Hawthorne days and when you started Fresh Fire Youth Ministries. And, and it just all came together to work so beautifully. So I just want to say, Mom, Dad, I honor you for the seeds you planted in this fellowship. Uh, and we love you. And I know many of us here appreciate you. But I want to minister a word tonight about reaching the world with the gospel. Now, Ismail, I don't want you to get too tired, so you may take a little break. And how many appreciate this, uh, this anointed team here? Just By the way, those of you watching online on, on both the Reach Network and Encounter TV, make sure you like, comment, share. I know this is not our usual broadcast time. We kind of just surprised you with this, you who are watching via Encounter TV. But I want you to know that you need to continue to like, comment, share, spread this around. I'm going to minister a word tonight on reaching the world with the gospel. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Then I want to talk to you about different keys that we can glean from the scripture that will help us to reach this world with the gospel. Because if you look around at the way things are going, you might become discouraged in thinking that this is it, that there is no hope, that there's nothing that God has planned beyond this. But if you look at the scripture, in which Jesus is talking about the end times, notice that he doesn't necessarily say that it's the wars and rumors of wars. 
that are going to trigger the end times. He says those are signs of them approaching. He doesn't say that the intensification of sin in itself is what's going to cause the end times to transpire. If you study that portion of scripture, you find that Jesus lists all of these things that are going to go wrong, wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, famine, the love of many, as the scripture says, will grow cold. There are all sorts of texts that are used to describe the end times. But if you look to the words of Jesus, which are the clearest words that we have concerning the last days, you'll notice that Jesus says something so powerful. You see, it's not the wars and the rumors of wars that ultimately set things in motion, nor is it the pestilence, nor is it the disease, nor is it the famine, nor is it the catastrophe that will strike the earth. But when the end times come, we are given a clear sign. Jesus said, this gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. In other words, before the end of days, the scripture makes it absolutely clear that there is coming a move of the Holy Ghost. There is coming in a great sweeping of souls. Exodus 3, 1 through 14. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Now... So far we see that Moses has an encounter with God that's commissioning his call. And God makes it clear to Moses why he is coming to him. It's because God has heard the cry of those who are in slavery. Now, prophetically speaking, the children of Israel in bondage to slavery, the children of Israel under the oppression of Egypt, that's a prophetic symbol of what the world looks like under the power of sin. Verse 9. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I? 
to appear before Pharaoh. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship at this very mountain. Just a couple more verses. Those of us who are only used to the verse of the day are having, you're saying, how much scripture is he going to read? It's okay. Now you're good for the month. Ready? Here we go. Verse 13. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, number one, when looking at the encounter that Moses had with God, if we're going to reach this world, number one, we need to know the Holy Spirit. Moses has this encounter with God, and God manifests his presence in the form of fire. Fire is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes in the Old and New Testament, we see fire being used as a description for the presence of the Holy Spirit himself, and Moses comes into contact with this fire. One of the ways you know that you've truly had an encounter with God is when souls become your focus. Moses comes into contact with this fire. He experiences the glory of God, but he didn't just go home and live his life as usual, saying, what a wonderful experience I had in the presence of God. No, the proof of an encounter with God is a burden for those who are in bondage. Remember this, all ministry is an overflow of our relationship with God, whether you work in the children's ministry, whether you work on the worship team, and it is work, whether you work as a pastor, whether you work as an evangelist, whatever it is that you do for God, it's only ministry if it's an overflow out of your relationship with God. If it's not an overflow from the presence, it's not ministry, it's charity and volunteer work. If it's not an overflow of the presence, it's not a calling, it's a career. If it's not an overflow from the presence, you begin to become tired in what you're doing, weighed down, wondering why you're even going about it the way you're going about it, confused, lost, and never knowing what the destination is. But when you've been in the presence of Almighty God, you begin to burn with a holy fire that never dies. When you've been in the presence of Almighty God, there's something in you that says, I have to go and tell the world. There's something in you that says, there are people who are lost and dying. When you come into the presence of God, you begin to hear the cries of those who are in bondage. You begin to hear the cry of the drug addicted. You begin to hear the cry of the suicidal. You begin to hear the cry of those who are bound in the darkness of sin. And everything in you says, God, send me to them. When God looks for a place to place a mantle, he has criteria. For every historic moment, there is a heavenly mantle. For every moment in history, God has mantles that are being dropped to the earth. And God is searching the earth 
someone who he can trust with his power. God is searching the earth for somewhere that he can pour out his spirit in such a way that the earth is shaken, that the nations turn to him. Now, when God looks to the earth, seeking where he might place a mantle, he is not looking in the board meetings filled with millionaires and big influencers. When God looks for a place to drop the mantle, he is not looking in the highest places of academia. When God looks to drop a heavenly mantle, he's not looking in those places that we think he will look. When God looks for a place, and when God looks for a person upon whom he can place a mantle, he's looking in the prayer room. He's looking for people who are consecrated and devoted to the presence of the Holy Spirit. We must involve the Holy Spirit in what we're doing. Church, please hear what I'm saying. No matter how big we become, no matter how modern our means of operation, no matter how excellent we become, and we should become excellent. Excellence, by the way, is a mark of the Spirit filled. No matter the growth trajectory, we must remember always we're helpless without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. The scripture says in Zechariah 4, 6, Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Moses had an encounter with God. Encounters Commission callings. And true encounters in the presence of the Holy Spirit become foundational. Because when you are called by God, trouble will come. This is why sometimes I envy the new convert. They're getting all their bondages broken. They're going from darkness to light. And God seems to be answering every single one of their prayers. When God calls you, there's a price. You see, salvation is free, but the call of God will cost you everything. And as we begin to pursue the call of God, we will run into trials. We will run into circumstances that make us want to quit. And people often tell you, be persistent, be persistent. This is the frustrating thing about persistence. Is that persistence doesn't even begin until you feel like quitting. Once you've exhausted all your effort, all your emotion, everything you know to do, every strategy, you've emptied yourself of all ability and strength, that's when persistence comes in. But you see, this is why it's not possible to do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not sure that God called you, please hear me now. If you are not sure that God called you, then when trials come, you're gone. 
Because you begin to question why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Am I doing what I'm doing because my leader pressured me to do it? Am I doing what I'm doing because someone launched me out? Am I doing what I'm doing because everyone around me is telling me it's the right thing to do and I need to be involved? Or am I doing what I'm doing because I've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? If you're going to pursue the call of God for your life, and this room is filled with gift potential, if you're going to pursue the call of God for your life, recognize that you will find trouble. But when those troubles come, you can always go back to those places, those encounters, and know that he's with you. I can't tell you how many times I said, Lord, I just wanted to be a lawyer. I just wanted to be an entrepreneur. You, you saw it in the video, by the way. Yes, that is the same jacket, but I have more jackets, okay? <laughs> I, I saw the video. I said, oh my goodness, I'm wearing the same jacket. But I wanted to be a businessman, an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a politician. I wanted to seek some form of public office. I wanted to be rich. I didn't want to do this. People say, well, some preachers do well, not as well as entrepreneurs. But there was a call. And this is one thing I appreciated about my pastor. Something I appreciate. I think of key people. Pastor Eddie Vargas. Pastor Omar Lopez. My parents, my grandparents. You know one thing they never did? They never pressured me into doing something I didn't feel called to do. And Looking back, I thank God for that. Because had I been pressured into this, then when the trials came, and I'm sure there are more to come. You search my name, just go look at the attacks out there. There might be some of you in here. In which case, I love you and will cast the devil out of you tonight. <laughs> but in all seriousness, when the trials came, when people began to talk, people who don't even know you, not just questioning what you preach, questioning your heart, questioning your motives, making up stories about you. I wish I was worth $10 million. I, I would be curious to see what it would be like if I was actually in the Illuminati, which is one of the online theories. I think I told Pastor Kelly one time, what did I say? I said, I can't be in the, this was years ago. I said, I can't be in the Illuminati. I still live with my parents. <laughs> but you know, when those trials came, I was able to stand firm because I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was called. And you are called to reach out into this world and to snatch souls who are dangling over hellfire. People of God, this is not a career choice. This is a rescue mission. 
And there are souls that are hanging in the balance when you run from the call of God. When you harden your heart to his voice, you're not just playing with your life. You are playing with souls that you should win. So number one, know the Holy Spirit. Number two, be selfless. God said to Moses, I am sending you. Moses had to leave the certainty and the familiarity of the desert. He was settled into his new life. He fled from Egypt, and I'm almost positive he planned to never go back. If you were accused of murder from somewhere and you escaped, I'm sure you would never want to go back to that place. And Moses was in this predicament. But please remember this. God did not take you out of Egypt just so that you can remain in the predictability of the desert. God did not remove you from Egypt just so that you can remain in the predictability of the desert. If I was Moses, I would have wanted to stay. It's familiar here. It's a simple life. It's not as crazy as things were back there. John 12, 23 through 26. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. This is Jesus speaking now. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. We have to move beyond self if we're going to reach this world. God has so much more for you than merely existing. I jokingly say often when we're out with friends, and you've heard me say this, Steve, and I'm sure Ismail, you guys heard my jokes hundreds and hundreds of times over. Sometimes we'll be out with friends, and we'll be at some nice restaurant somewhere just kind of looking around, fellowshipping, talking. And I, I can be a little cynical sometimes. I look around, I go, is this it? This, this is it, the whole thing. This is what people live for. The temporary, the mundane. You realize that the mundane, though it's not sinful, is an insult to the glory of God. And some of us get so stuck in these places of comfort that we lack in purpose and direction. And so I can imagine Moses saying, Lord, I'm so comfortable here. I think he had his excuses, yes, but I think deep down that at least part of the reason why he didn't want to go was precisely because he was comfortable. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone will be called to be an evangelist or a pastor. This doesn't mean that everyone has to drop their career and go and become a full-time minister. In fact, one of the things I think that's wonderful 
about the vision of the REACH Network is that we acknowledge and we honor the various different gifts and operations of the whole body of Christ. But it's gonna cost you something. Let me ask you, and I wanna ask you this, I don't want to come across the wrong way, I'm not here to attack anyone or to accuse anyone, but I want you to really ponder the question. When was the last time that you gave up something for the gospel? When was the last time that you had to deny yourself? Paul the apostle said, I die daily. Some of us don't even die monthly. (laughs) Is everything about your life perfectly structured and positioned to bring forth the ultimate comfort, the ultimate security? Is everything conditioned just so in your life, just the way you want it? Then I challenge you to begin to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I begin to live in selflessness? We have to move beyond our insecurities and excuses. You see, the Christian life is not in addition to, it's instead of. And I think we have that paradigm all wrong. We look at our Christian life, we look at the church, we look at ministry, we look at soul winning, and we attach it to our lives as if it's just some decoration on our lives that makes it shinier. As if it's just something that we're adding to what we're already doing. But the call to reach the world, the call to win souls, is not in addition to, it's instead of. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Number three. So, number one. Know the Holy Spirit. Number two, be selfless. Number three, have substance. The Lord gave Moses a very clear direction. He was given a very specific word to speak. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Remember this, man of God. Remember this, woman of God. God does not anoint your opinions. He anoints his word. God does not anoint your ideas. He does not back your philosophies. God backs his word. Think about the fact that the word of God is so powerful that it produces results even when a hypocrite preaches it. God is that committed to his word that you can see these people who say one thing and live another way getting results. Well, how is it they have fruit? How is it they have results? How is it that God is using them? It's because God is so committed to backing his message that he will produce the power behind the word no matter who speaks it. Mark 16, 20 says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming what? Confirming the word with signs following. 
If you are not rooted in the word, you are easy prey for deception. Church, if we're going to reach this world, we must be sold on the word of God. And I mean sold. The word of God is not a nice philosophy. The word of God is not just historical in nature. The word of God is not just a good idea. The word of God is spoken from heavenly places from the ultimate highest authority. The word of God has the final say. The word of God is the final authority. It doesn't matter what you learned in your political ideology. It doesn't matter what you were taught from your family. It doesn't matter what you were taught in the systems of this world. The word of God is the final and highest authority. All this talk of deconstructing faith. Deconstructing, what they basically mean is picking out the parts they like and, and just leaving aside the ones they don't. We must be sold on the foundation of the word lest we become prey for temptation. In the last days, the scripture talks about a great falling away. And the falling away comes when you don't know the word. Think about the fact that New Ageism is finding its way into the church. There are strange doctrines finding their way into the church. There are even doctrines of devils finding their way into the church. Why would you want to pray to the universe when you can pray to the one who formed it? Why would you want to call on some power that's lesser than? Why would you approach any other throne? Why would you approach any other authority? When I pray, I'm not talking to the universe. I'm talking to my heavenly father who spoke and caused all things to come into existence. And there are all sorts of things that are beginning to corrupt the faith. They're entering in. And if we're not careful, we will be deceived. And this is the thing about deception is no one knows they're deceived when they're deceived. Stop preaching your political opinions. Left and right. They're all a bunch of devils. All of them. Turn off Fox and CNN. They're all a bunch of devils. Preaching the enemy's propaganda. The church is not left or right. The church is in heavenly places. The church is the kingdom of God in the earth. Stop with the opinions. Stop with the philosophies. That's the problem. Is we, we, we get up and we preach good ideas. But good ideas won't save the lost. Good ideas won't save a soul. There's only one message that we declare. And that is Christ and him crucified. It's the message with the greatest power. It's the message that matters. It's the message that counts for eternity. It's the message under which we can all unite. For there is no name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. It is the primary word. It is the focus of the church. It is the answer for today. That's why we declare with boldness, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word. I've seen too many preachers start getting into weird doctrines. I saw one preacher 
anointed, powerful. And as soon as he started getting into these weird doctrines, he left the faith and now he preaches some religion where aliens are going to come back and save us all. How did that happen? He wasn't backed by the word. And this happens on two extremes, church. Two extremes. You see, we who are, who are a little more like me, charismatic. Oh, we love our charisma. We love our song and dance. We love to jump and shout. But we can be some of the weirdest people. Well, no one wants to fellowship with me after church. Must be the devil. No, you're just really weird. I can say it to you because I'm an evangelist. I'll be gone next week. You see, those who embrace the things of the Spirit without the Word actually find themselves in some of the strangest things. And what they end up actually practicing is charismatic witchcraft. Like Simon the sorcerer who said, I want to buy that power, but not for the sake of uplifting the name of Jesus, but for the sake of power itself. When Jesus is not the center, all you have are gifts, but no glory. Charisma with no character. Power with no presence, and it's dangerous. On the other side, you have the Facebook scholar. Well, where's that in the Bible? You know, sometimes we can become so deep that we're drowning. And, and, and you realize that the scripture says that the things of the spirit aren't received through the natural mind. You have the word, but no spirit. You get information. Good for you. No power. If you have the spirit, but no word, well, you have inspiration. But some of you are inspired to do some very weird things. But it's when you have the truth of the word and the spirit's power come together that you have a foundation to change the world. We need both the spirit and the word. And we ought to know the word better than anyone else. I was, I was visiting a Muslim at a mosque. Steve was with me. Don't ask me how that happened. It was a business deal. We were working for some property Long, long, long story, but we ended up at a mosque, and we're meeting him there to discuss these things, and I went there on a Thursday afternoon, a Thursday afternoon in the middle of a work day. You know what I saw? I saw hundreds of men on their face in prayer, and I began to talk with my friend. You might have guessed his name was Muhammad. And we begin to talk, and we would, we would have lunch together. We would joke back and forth with each other. 
And, and, and we began to talk, and, and, I, and I was listening to him. I said, are you like one of the teachers or one of the pastors? He said, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just an attendee. I'm just a member. And I came to realize something. Muslims know their Quran better than Christians know their Bible. I'll throw you another one. Atheists know the Bible better than most Christians. We have to get it out of our minds that the less of the word there is, the more spiritual we are. Seen it a thousand times. Have the notes. You know what? I was going to preach this sermon, but the Holy Spirit told me not to, and they throw their notes out. Most of the time, I'm not saying that never happens, but you know most of the time that's just spiritual laziness. The word is the foundation for the move of the spirit. The word is the substance with which the Holy Spirit creates. The word is the guide for our lives. If we want to reach the world, we must have substance. We have to have more to offer them simple life advice. We have to have more to offer them than our opinions and philosophies. So number three, have substance. And I probably won't be able to get through the whole thing because I do want to pray for some people. I'm trying to pick a point. I have four, I have to pick one. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me. See, spirit with preparation right here. (laughs) Technically number six, but number four. We need each other. So first we need the Holy Spirit. That's a must. Second, we need to learn selflessness, the surrendered life, if we want to reach the world. Third, we need the word. Fourth, we need each other. Psalm 133.1 says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. If we're going to reach out to the world, We'll need to reach up toward God and across to each other. The bigger a movement becomes, the more diverse the people become. Now, let me make a very clear statement here. In no way should we ever compromise the fundamentals of the faith, the deity of Christ the infallibility of the word of God, holiness, repentance, the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus. There are many of these. But aside from the primary things, please remember this. Differences do not have to become divisions.
I have a friend, and Johnny, you know him, one of the strangest people we both know. I have a friend, now you know me. You, you type my name in online, you're gonna get one thing that comes up, the Holy Spirit. I believe in laying hands on the sick. I believe in casting out devils the biblical way. It's a whole different study we can do. I believe in speaking in tongues. And, and this movement, Reach Network, is a Holy Spirit-filled movement. And we can't get away from that. Now, I have this friend who absolutely does not believe in speaking in tongues. He's wrong, of course. <laughs> you know, we don't do ministry together. That wouldn't be something that would be necessarily wise. Can two walk together lest they agree? But you know, he does come to my house for dinner. He does bring his family. We do fellowship. I never take it personal when he teaches that tongues is not for today. He never takes it personal when I say that people who don't speak in tongues, and I don't mean this as a jab, this is something I sincerely believe. If you don't pray in tongues, I believe you're missing out on something key, but you're not going to hell. Now, if he and I can share in a friendship, we hardly argue about it, we joke about it, we make fun of each other about it. I call him John MacArthur's teacher's pet. He calls me a Benny Hinn fanboy. But we love each other. Now, 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 if we can fellowship and love one another with that kind of extreme difference, why on earth in this network can we not find common ground on the core that makes us who we are? The bigger movement get, 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 gets, yes, more, the more diverse it becomes, of course. There are people in here of varying degrees of biblical ideology. And there are people who have different opinions. Now, again, there are some that make it difficult to work with one another. But these are just examples. Why should we be divided on whether or not someone took your seat? Whether or not you like the screen the way it is. I didn't like the style of music. I didn't like this or that. And what begins to happen is God's plan for reaching the world is multiplication. The enemy's plan for stopping us is division. Differences don't have to become divisions. And I pray, I know this is not one of those 
points that makes you stand on your feet and clap and jump and shout. I'm hardly that kind of preacher anyway. But this is something the Holy Spirit really impressed on my heart to deposit at this crucial phase in our network's birth. Winning a brother, winning a sister is more important than winning an argument. And while we argue back and forth with one another about whether God's three persons in one or one person with three sides, or maybe there's something else that we can use to describe it, there are people going to hell. Get the vax. We shouldn't get the vax. Open the church. You shouldn't open the church. Wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. There are people going to hell. Well, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I think this. I think that. I think your side is demonic because this. I think your side is demonic. There are people going to hell. It's time that we wake up and rise above these petty differences. I believe in a round earth. You believe in a flat earth. I'm iPhone. You're Android. It doesn't matter in eternity. We must unite, rise above it, and win the world to Jesus. It's in our unity that there's power. Years ago, and my preaching time is done, and then they'll reset for my altar call time. Years ago, we had a guest speaker by the name of Harry Hills. And I'll never forget this word he shared. Together we can do more than we could ever do alone. There's power in our unity. Do you know what it is that wants to win arguments? It's ego. I want to prove how much stronger my intellect is than yours. I want to prove how much deeper in the word I am than you. Ego. But in our unity, we have power unimaginable. This is why the enemy works so hard at dividing his church. Because he knows that the moment we become divided, we lose focus on the eternal. Every other system of this world is focused on the temporary. It's only the church that's focused on eternity. And if we focus on eternity, then we can see beyond our differences. We can rise above them. And we, with one voice, can declare to the world, Jesus saves. I believe those are true keys to reaching the world. We must know the Holy Spirit. We must live selflessly. We must have the substance of the word. And we must be united.
Father, let this movement never know division in Jesus' name. Give us the maturity and the love to walk in unity. Church, would you just lift your hands all across this room? Begin praying in the Holy Ghost. You know God is calling you to reach the world. Your heart burns for the lost. I want you to begin to pray. You online, begin to pray. Ask God to use you. It's time to surrender. Lord, make us people of prayer. Make us people of the word. Make us people who love you. How many of you just can sense the presence of the Holy Ghost right now? If you do, say amen. That's, that's, that's how he's pleased with unity. Now, I'm going to do a, an altar call here. Those of you who want to respond to this message, it's going to be a simple one because I sense another assignment. I talked earlier about the need for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We at this crucial juncture need to allow for a move of the Holy Spirit. Our conferences cannot just become these spectacularly produced events, and these are wonderful. They must remain revivals. You come to conference, you need to know you're getting more than just a word. You need to know you're going to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Hopefully that's what you came here for tonight. Here's your altar call. The Lord touched you, and you know, you know, you know there are things in your life that you need to surrender to Him, that you might reach the world. And I want you all across this room right now, lift your hands and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Come on. Lift your hands, begin to pray out loud, out loud, boldly in the Holy Ghost. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.